It's awesome to be back. It really is amazing. I've been away. I was doing the numbers. I think I've been in nine different suburbs or cities in the last 14 days. I think I've probably attended around about 15 to 16 meetings. And by meetings, I mean these kind of meetings, many of them starting at 7 o'clock and continuing until 11 o'clock at night as the power of God has been poured out on many, many people. But I want to say to you, it's just, there's something about coming home, eh? There's something about being amongst your family. So I really, I just, I want to bless you guys. I want to let you know that I felt for you, for those of you who are praying for us, I really felt your prayers. Um, And I missed you dearly, and I prayed for many of you as the Lord would lay you on my heart um, as we went. So before we start, I just want to just ask, does anybody notice anything different about me in the way that I'm about to preach today? There's a hundred points, which is big money, hundred points for the person who can see what is different about me as I stand before you today. You're not allowed to speak, you know. There we go. No, okay, no laptop, but I have got my iPad, so that's good. You get a hundred points. Well done, you noticed. But is Kathleen? Kathleen gets 100 points. Do you see that I do not have my glasses on? So I want to tell you that while I was ministering this week at one of the meetings, Jonathan Conrad said, guys, if you are trusting for your eyesight to be restored, I want you to take your hands and put them on your eyes. And I'm there to serve, but you know what? God is no respecter of persons, and He loves us. So I laid my hands on my eyes, and I prayed the prayer, And I stand before you saying to you that where my eyes had degenerated to the point where I had to wear glasses to be able to preach, to even to be able to read this very small little cell phone, I can read now perfectly well. So praise God. The other side of it, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want to give testimony to the goodness of God. The other side of it was we got to George. And uh, we'd been on the road for a while. It'd been late nights. I'd been sleeping in different beds often. And uh, I have a neck problem. For 17 years, I've had a neck problem. I hurt my neck playing rugby in matric. I missed June exams. I was 12 weeks in a stiff collar. I dislocated my third and fourth vertebrae. And you can ask my wife and my son, if I sleep on a pillow that's just the wrong size, I can actually wake up feeling stiff. And on the George meeting, we'd started out and he said, listen, if any of you have got joint pains or anything like that, lay your hands on yourself and God's going to touch you. And I did. And I'm safe to say my neck is completely, completely healed. Why am I telling you this? Because it's my testimony. I know this is true. There's not a single person, I don't care how much you are good at debating None of you can tell me that this didn't happen, because it's me. I know that it happened. And what God has done for me, He can and will and wants to do for you. So today I'm going to be hoping to build your faith. I want to encourage you, but I'm also going to try and teach you a few things that I've learned, because what's the purpose of me going to learn if I don't impart what I've learned? Because then I'm just selfish, and God doesn't like selfish people. So I want to take you to Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. And I want to say to you that as I read these next two chapters to you, one is from Matthew, one is from Mark, I want to ask you a question. If today was your last day, and you knew it, you're lying on your deathbed, you have your family around you, and you're getting ready to go, you know that the time is short. What do you think the, the, the context of your conversation is going, to, is going to be? Are you going to be going, listen, babe, don't forget, Mondays they come in and fetch the bin. Don't forget to put the bin out. 
or actually going to my son and saying, Connor, Connor, come here. Boy, I just want to tell you, before I go to be with Jesus, the two-minute noodles actually don't take two minutes. <laughs> or do you think that actually my engagement with those around me would be a little bit more serious? Do you think it might be more of a declaration of truths that I want to impart, that when someone looks at me and goes, what is the last thing that Sean said? It was something of substance, something of value, something which would impact not only my family and those around me, but potentially even generations to come after that. This is the context of what's happening. As Jesus is speaking these words, he's about to be taken up into heaven, into glory, to be seated at the right hand of God. These are important words. These are the last words, in fact, that Jesus speaks before he goes up. So can we agree on the balance of probability? What he's saying now is probably quite important. Thank you. There's at least one person with me. Are the two we're growing? Yeah, thank you. All right, awesome. So I think we are quite important. So let's read what it says. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you, excuse me, always until the end of the age. So Jesus is establishing his authority, he's establishing his deity, he's saying, I am God, and I have authority over everything, everyone, everywhere, all the time. He's established that, right? All authority has been given to me, he says. And then what does he do? He actually delegates that authority to who? To the disciples and to you and to me. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now you, Zonke, all of us, Amal, go. All right? Let's look at Mark 16, verse 15 to 20. Love this one. And then he said to them, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Yes, children, that are here, you can preach to your teddy bears. They might not get saved, but preach them and practice anyway. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned. All and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any poison, don't, uh, don't put him to the test. The, the word says, thou shalt not test the Lord. Do not test him. Don't do it. Just, let's just trust that if we do, we'll be okay. It will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And this is what I want to encourage you with. This is one of the little, this is one of the pillars that I want to put in you now, okay? For when you're going to get out there and we're going to go and do this thing. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And this especially for all of you. And they went out and preached everywhere. While, what? Let's read that together. While they worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. I want to say to you that as I've gone around to all of these different places and got an opportunity to learn from someone who's a gifted, fivefold evangelist that absolutely loves Jesus, absolutely loves people. And let me see, I tell you, I've seen him outside of the meetings. I've seen him when he's tired. I've seen him when his voice is almost gone. I've seen him while he's eating lunch. This is a man who loves Jesus and loves the lost. And he knows deep inside him, as I've spent time with him, there's this deep conviction within him that as he shares the good news, the gospel, 
The fact that we can be forgiven our sins and eternal damnation. He has an internal conviction that God is working with him to confirm, confirm God's word. I want to say to you today that as we go out and as we share with our colleagues, with our friends, with our families, God works with us because it's one of the last things he said and he is not a liar. Amen? This is good news. This is exciting stuff. It really is very, very exciting stuff. So there's two main things that we're going to talk about today, and I want to leave with you. One is the first one in both of those texts, in Mark and in Matthew. The first thing is he says, go. And I want to say to you, go. Into your sports clubs, into your workplaces, into whatever area, into your schools, into whatever area it is that God has given you influence and authority, the Lord Jesus said as part of his last words, go, go. And then what do we do once we've gone? Both of those texts say make disciples. What does disciples mean? It doesn't mean go and find people to come and sit in the church so that we can get a bigger building and increase our tithes. That's not it. It doesn't say go and make people that would call themselves Christians but actually live nothing of it in their life. It says make disciples, make little ones, make baby Jesuses, those that follow him in spirit and in truth. It says baptize them. Both of those texts say baptize. I don't want to offend anybody here, but baptism is a thing that happens once I have given my heart to Jesus asked him to for salvation, and this supernatural transaction takes place in my life. And then I go, actually, you know what? The old Sean needs to die. Because he is at war. The flesh is at war with the things of the Spirit. And through baptism, when I understand the context of what I am doing, I die to the old man and a new creation is made. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives through me. So he's saying you must be baptized. Hopefully, I'm going to have, in this week, we're going to have 100 people put their hand up and say, we want to be baptized. We've never been baptized before. Why? Not because it's something I'm trying to get you to do. It's because in both of those texts, if you need them, I can share the notes with you. It says, go, be, uh, repent, and be baptized. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not if you feel like it. You must be baptized to share in the death of Christ, to share in the life and the resurrection of Christ. You have to share in the death of Christ. It's a, it's a, it's a thing. In, in Matthew, it says, teaching them to obey. Very interesting. To obey. How do you obey if no one tells you what you need to do? It's quite hard to be obedient if no one has given you instruction. If I say to Rian, Rian, please come and stand next to me. He has the choice to obey or not to obey. If I just look at him thinking to myself, Rian, come sit next to me. And he has no, it's very hard for him to be obedient. We have the Word of God. We have the Spirit of God. We have elders and leaders and friends and communities that can help to guide us into the paths of righteousness. This is the stuff I get excited about. These signs will accompany you. In a few moments, I want to tell you some of the, some of the testimonies of things that God did while I was away, and I'm hoping it's really going to build faith into you. But I want to leave this with you to let you know that Jesus says that He will work with you as you are sharing with the lost as you are, are, are effectively snatching people out of hell, Jesus promises to work with you. And that is something which I think is absolutely amazing. So as I say, I've, I've been able to, to just witness, I would say, maybe close to a thousand people 
in various venues come forward and either give their life for the first time or actually recommit their lives to the Lord. Personally, I've had the opportunity to lead two people to, to salvation or through the salvation prayer of, uh, of, of repentance and faith in meetings, uh, two on the streets. One was a petrol, petrol attendant, was caught up in witchcraft. He had a dark figure in his house that was scary. He was filled with fear and anxiety. And the team was, I've actually got a picture of it. The team was gathered around him. They were praying for him, and there just didn't seem to be any kind of breakthrough. And I was saying, Lord, just give me the key. Give me the key to this man's heart. And I felt the Lord say to me, there's witchcraft in his life. He's got a presence in his heart. He's filled with fear and anxiety. And if you all give his life to me today, I'll sort that out. So we prayed with him, and I asked him, is this true? I don't need you to affirm me, sir. I don't need you to tell me that I'm right. Is this true? Have you consulted with the Sangoma? Have you been involved in ritualistic um, uh, ancestral worship, etc.? Yes, I have. Okay, is there this presence in your house? It, brings, it, comes, it scares you. Yes, Jesus is king. And at the name of Jesus, everything on the earth, under the earth, and, below, and, and above the earth will bow its knee. So if you'll give your life to Jesus today, he will fix you. And I promise you, this man's countenance changed as he received. It was a beautiful thing. Another one was a guy on the, on the promenade at Summer Strand in PE, just a car guard, walking with a little kitty. And I said to him, sir, what's happened to your knee? He said, five years ago, he got jumped while he was protecting a car. Guys, can't you see it? They kicked him, they broke his knee. He didn't have finances to be able to go to the doctor. He went to the government hospital. After three years, they gave him a couple of panadas and sent him on his way. For five years, this man has walked with a limp. I said to him, my friend, do you know? I said, I will, we'll worry about your knee in a second or two. I said, but I want to ask you this question. If you had to die today, you live a hard life. So he's telling me a little bit where he sleeps and how he has to, he's afraid every night that, when he, that, that guys are going to come and rob him. This is the reality that he lives in every single day of his life. And I said, you know what, my friend, there's an assurance for you that if something had to happen for you, and I hope it doesn't, but if something had to happen, you can have assurance that one day, together with all of the rich people that live on the mountain over there, you can go to heaven. I said, do you want that? And he said, yes, please. And there he was. He gave his life to the Lord. We prayed for his knee. God healed his knee. I literally took his cane from him and he walked normally. I'm not telling you someone else's story. This is my story. I saw this. It's been amazing just to see people getting cut to the heart responding to the gospel, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people getting healed. The challenge that you have with these kinds of times, whenever God does something big, the enemy doesn't like it. And what he does is he gets those that are, whenever there's a, a significant move of God, and I'm going to show you scriptural text for this, there's always going to be the voice of the accuser that's going, that's not real. That's not real. That's just hype. Maybe the oak was just a bit excited in the moment and he thought like he felt better, but actually, no, it's not. And you know, they did it to Jesus. It's not a new trick to us. The enemy hates the testimony of Jesus. He hates the testimony of healing, deliverance, and salvation. So if we go to Matthew 12, verse 22 to 24, then a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. Okay, so we've got, we've got demon and we've got sickness in this man's body. Blind and deaf was brought to him. And he, Jesus, healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all of the people were amazed. Can this be the son of David? So the people that are witnessing this are going, Woo, this is amazing, Jesus, you're incredible. Let's see what the devil does. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. 
So what's the enemy doing? He's nullifying the testimony of Jesus by saying no, that this is actually doing it by the power of the devil. So don't be surprised in the aftermath of this where people are looking at it with a little bit of suspicion and going, well, how do you know that of those thousand people that gave their lives to the Lord that it was real? Can I ask you a very real question? What's that to you? You're not God. You can't see into the heart of men. You can't judge the hearts of men. Why not take that and instead of parting with what the enemy is doing, actually encourage and think, Lord, please won't you move my heart for those that have been saved. Won't you move my heart so that I will reach out to those that have recommitted their lives and come alongside them and encourage them in the faith and pray for them and get them moving. God is in the business of seeking and saving the lost, guys. This is what he does. Why would it not be sincere? And will some of those people fall away? Heaven forbid, but I'm sure that they would. Because there's people that are in this setting. There's people that I've led to the Lord one-on-one. Beautiful men of God that I've seen just over time as the world has clawed them back. They've walked away from Jesus. But we don't stop doing it. We don't stop hoping. We don't stop going because someone might fall away. We go and then we trust them to Jesus. Amen. Come on. <laughs> so I want to share a couple of testimonies for, for you. I've already got ahead of my notes because I told you about my neck. Um, but I want to tell you, this. I think this is probably my favorite, 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 favorite testimony from this time. So I, I've only ever been to Je- Jeffrey's Bay in my life once. And it was for business and I was there for about an hour and a half and then I left. I never even saw the water. So I didn't know that J-Bay is like a, it's like a place, eh? It's like, it's, yeah, J-Bay people are very, 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 you know, excited to tell you that they're from J-Bay. So we get there, and the guys are saying to you, do you know, do you know whose house you're staying at? So I'm like, no. They're like, you are going to be staying at the house of Matt McGillivray. I'm like, wow, how many people here know who Matt McGillivray is? Ah, we got two. Wow, awesome. Hey, check me out, stayed in his house. <laughs> ah, just kidding. I had no clue who this man is. He could have been an astronaut for all I know. My friend, this guy is a, he's a, he's a pro surfer on the world tour. Kelly Slater, if any of you guys might know Kelly Slater, Kelly Slater stayed in the house. So I arrived at this house. And this house, listen, let me tell you, if I throw a golf ball hard enough, I can hit the water. Seriously, that is how close these guys live to the beach. It's like just down from super tubes. They've got these peeling waves. I'm not a surfer, but I felt like I wanted to be. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it was, it was incredible. And I met this wonderful man. This guy, is a, he's an engineer. He is very successful. Tom Cruise. This is what Tom Cruise came to South Africa. When he went to Jeffrey's Bay, he wanted to stay in, the, in their house. He, they said, no, thanks. I, I'm not joking with you. They literally said to him, no. They are not consumed by anything of the world. They have everything in the world. They're not consumed. And you know, that man sat with me, and we chatted for hours and hours and hours. Just, and the love of God just poured out of him. And he, just, he said to me, Sean, everything I have is God's. Everything I have is God. Like you were saying. No treasures, no possessions. Everything he has is the Lord's. And on the Saturday night, we had a, um, a Buri bride. It was an outreach opportunity for guys in the congregation to bring the lost. And the lost they brought. And the gospel was preached. Three people gave their lives to the Lord. It was a beautiful thing. Guys, physically, you could just see like chains of bondage and heaviness just coming off them. And afterwards, Don, the very humble man, very quiet spoken man, he came to me and said to me, Sean, would you mind to please pray for me? 
So I said, of course, what, what can I pray for? He said, I'm, I'm deaf in my left ear. And I said, wow, okay, hold, like how, you, it's like 10% hearing. He says, if my wife sits in the car next to me and she talks to me, I can't hear her. <laughs> so I wasn't, uh, yeah. <laughs> Naughty, yikes. I know what you guys are thinking. I know what you're thinking. Don't go there. You were thinking, is that a blessing or not a curse? But no, 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 I'm just teasing. Ladies are going to chop me up just now. Anyway, he said, I can't hear. Would you, would you pray for me? Guys, I want to tell you something. I am, I am nothing special. I really am nothing special. I have, no, I have no special anointing. God didn't drip, you know, oil from heaven. I haven't physically seen Jesus. I, I just, I was like, okay, hey, if they can do it, I can do it. Huh? And I'm hoping that'll catch on. If Sean can do it, I can do it. And I, went, and I laid my hands on his ears and we prayed. And I saw something that one of the guys did during the week. So I thought, hey, man, I'm going to cash in on this. Guys, you need to learn as you go. God gives you tools. And if you're willing to learn from the tools, you can use those tools for yourself. So I said to him, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stand right next to you, on your left-hand side, in your deaf ear, behind you so you can't see my lips. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a number. And when I say that number, you must put up on your hand the number that I show you. So I stood right next to him. If this was him, I stood next to him like this, and I said, two. And he went like that. And I took two steps back. And I said, four. And he put his fingers up. And I took another two steps back. And I said, nine. And he went, nine. And I said to him, Don, turn around and look how far I am from you. And he turned around with amazement in his eyes as God had opened his ear up through a simple prayer through a simple prayer, believing that signs and wonders would follow those who believe. Praise God. The next day I thought to myself, you know what? Eh, maybe it's just, maybe it's just like a thing, you know? So I'm sitting in the back of the car. He's driving. I'm sitting in the back of the car and I thought, I'm going to catch him unawares. And I was like, done. And he's like, yeah? And he could hear me. So this is something. He testified in church the next day about that. Incredible, incredible time. Another one was... The couple that I was staying with in Port Elizabeth knew a girl who lives in Jaybay who has a dad that's on his deathbed or has had, basically had death proclaimed over him. I didn't know the story. I didn't know why or what the, the deal is. But somehow, God, through a man coming from the UK to South Africa to Cape Town to Jeffreys Bay to George to PE with a South African local guy following him around, God managed to orchestrate that I was in the house of her father who was telling me when he came out, he's a huge man, huge, huge, huge guy. I was like, whoa. And as he came out, I said to him, sir, what's, what's the story? I don't know what's going on. And he said, well, he's got an enlarged heart and his heart is, he's basically, his heart rate at rest is like 200 beats per minute. So like when you run, your fastest run for like 10 minutes, that's how he literally walked from the room to the kitchen and was out of breath. And, it was, and I was like, wow, hold on, Lord, you've got me out of my comfort zone. This is, this is like, this is not, I'm not praying for a cold to go away, which is a miracle too, by the way. And I said to him, sir, I said, you know what, I, I said, it's, it's such a privilege to be in your home, and you've got a lovely home, they really do. I said, but can I just ask you one thing before I pray for you? You know, I can see that you're struggling. I can see that, that your heart is literally under attack. Can I ask you that if, if I had to leave this place, 
and you got up and you walked to your room and you fell down dead, are you 100% sure that you'd be with Jesus tonight? And he looked at me with the most beautiful smile. And he said, Sean, I'm 100% sure. I said, okay. I'm, 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 I'm at peace with that. Let's go for it. And we prayed for his heart. I don't know if he's healed. But I definitely know that he's saved. And that for me is important because you can go to heaven sick and you can go to hell healed. I'd rather people go to hell, to heaven sick, if that's okay. So that was another one. It's just a beautiful opportunity. Just where I saw how God could take something that would be very difficult to try and orchestrate in your own mind. If you think about it, Jonathan Conroy's coming to Cape Town. Then he's going there. How do I get hold of him? Who's going to connect me to that guy? Who's going to get that guy there? You know, I need to... God did it in three phone calls. One, can you come? Two, I can come. Three, what time must I be there? God did all of that in three. So what do I want to tell you guys that? Why am I telling you guys this? I don't want the glory. I don't want respect. I don't want you to, ooh, Sean's a healer guy. Whenever someone's sick, call him. No, we all got, this is for all of us. This is really, it's serious, it's for you. This is like the most exciting news ever. This is for you. You can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Come on. You can. And the question's going to be, well, what happens if it doesn't happen? Leave that to Jesus. You just be obedient. You just go. You just pray. I think to myself, and I thought about this, you know, like sometimes you have these guys and they say these like lines during a preacher, then afterwards I just go like, hashtag, Rian Achenbach. And then it gives a little quote. So I want to give you this. And, and this is what I, I thought. Pretty cool. Are you ready? Get ready for the hashtag, guys. I expect to see this on Facebook. God saved you not only to get you out of hell, but he saved you to get heaven into you. And what does that look like? What does that mean? What, 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 you know, is this you kingdom now and all sorts of funny things? Stay with me. The Holy Spirit is the one that has been given to us. The Holy Spirit dwelled in heaven and he's come and heaven has come into us. And he is the one who helps us and imparts us and gives us the strength and the, and the power to go out. He is the one that works with us. And here's where I want to free you up. It's him that's going to do the work. It's not you. You see, my friends, we don't have to look at sinners and hate them because they sin. We don't have to look at sinners and tell them about how bad their sin is. We don't have to look at sinners and judge them because actually that's not the lane we need to be in. And I want to tell you why I say that in John 16 verse 8. It says, and when he, the Holy Spirit, who's a real person, who's part of the Godhead, who's with us now, even now, he's in me as I speak. He's preaching. He's, he's anointing the words that are coming out of my mouth. And hopefully, if I'm doing a good enough job, you're actually forgetting about Sean talking, and your heart is listening to the voice of the Lord. And it says, and when he comes, he, the Holy Spirit, will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. He will do it. It's not our job to hate and to judge. It's our job to love. No greater love has, is this than the man will lay his life down for his friend. But then even a greater love is to lay down his life for his enemy. We need to be those that look at people that are different to ourselves 
different faiths, different religions, different outlooks on marriage, and all the rest of those sort of things, not with judgment, but actually with compassion and with love. Because if it hadn't been for the Holy Spirit showing love and compassion and showing me my sin and the impending judgment, I wouldn't be standing in front of you sharing this message today. So we can trust Him. We can trust the Holy Spirit to work with us, through us, as we witness, which takes a bit of the fear out of it, right? Because if it all comes down to you, maybe you're not a particularly good speaker. Maybe like Moses, you're going, but Lord, actually the Holy Spirit will speak through you because He loves that person. He wants to get through to them. He wants to work with them. I want to quickly go through two excuses that people would use. But Sean, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a Jonathan Conrath. I don't know, I'm not called to that. I don't have faith for that. I hear you. I do. I'm not an evangelist. I would think of myself more of a prophet or a pastor. But I'm not an evangelist. But I want to encourage you with what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 verse 5. He says, but as for you, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. He's serving, actually, if you look at the role of what Timothy's doing, he's actually serving alongside Paul in more of an apostolic type of grace on his life. But Paul understands that sometimes the only evangelist that's going to be in the room is you. Unfortunately, as talented as I am, I cannot be in all of your workspaces at exactly the same time. So if I can't be there to tell them about Jesus, I'm afraid it falls to you. But I've just told you that the Holy Spirit will work with you. And it's Him that's going to bring them. So it might not be your primary calling, it's not your occupation, but we're all called to do it. And I want to just share with you something from Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. This is another encouragement for you. He has made everything beautiful in His time. Also, He has put eternity into a man's heart. Yet so, that he cannot find what God has done from the beginning to the end. That sounds very complicated, but effectively what it means is this. Is that even in your unsaved state, and even if you are here today and you don't yet know the Lord, there's something in you that knows there's more to life than just having a family and making some money and owning a home. There's something of eternity in me that's going who am I? What's the role that I have to play on this planet? And what happens to me one day when it all, all gets wrapped up and it's time to go? Every single person that you're going to share the gospel with is asking those very questions. It's in them. God has put, it says it, He's put eternity in their hearts. There's a missing puzzle piece. And you know what? You have it. His name is Jesus. And we need to give that piece. It's beautiful. So do the work of an evangelist and realize that eternity is in the heart of everyone you're going to share with. They're looking for what you have. You have the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. I don't know what to share. I, 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 don't, know how to, I don't know how to help people. I don't know how to, to bring them to salvation. Well, you know what, eh? I've got this book. It's called the Bible. It's amazing. It's like it was written for us in advance. So that when we're going to read it, it actually answers our questions. So I'm going to give you the answer to your question. Fantastic. Thank you for asking. In 1 Corinthians 15, you guys can remember this. It says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, he's about to tell us what he preaches, unless you believed in vain. 
For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture. So the first thing we need to point out to the person that you're speaking to is that Christ died for your sins. And that through Jesus, you can get forgiveness for your sins and eternal life. That's the first truth that needs to be imparted. Then, that he was buried and was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. He was a real man who walked real earth, who faced every challenge that you and I have faced and will face. He died and was raised again. Second part. And then finally, and that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve, and then appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom were still alive, thank goodness, though some had already fallen asleep. So that means he actually appeared to not only those that were alive, but some that were dead. Isn't that incredible? And then he appeared to James and all the apostles. The third part of our little trinity of, of information here is that actually it's a historical fact. You can go and research this, and there is a historical fact stating that there was a man named Jesus. He came, he died, and he walked in front of people and they saw him. Despite how much the enemies tried to kill and destroy and, and do away with all of the evidence to that. It's a, there's a real God. These are the pillars, guys, that you can use when you're sharing with somebody. And then finally, I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Let's say AP, our little budding evangelist. Where's AP? There he is. AP is active in his school. We can, we can learn from him. We we'll honor you, AP. There's people in this room that know Jesus that have eternal destiny in heaven because of you. Thank you. Well done. I commend you today. But let's say you have your SRC at school. And the, and the big first team rugby bully comes and he gets saved. Hallelujah. And he turns his back on another life and he comes into a life and a relationship with God. What do we do with him then? Because it's one thing to preach the gospel. It's one thing to share the good news. And it's another thing to get saved. But then what happens? What do we do? Do we bring him all to Sean? Or Rian? Okay, your problem, baby. Go for it. Good luck with that. <laughs> no, Kathleen, we do not do that. We do not do that. You see, because that, when Mark 16, Mark 28, it says, therefore, go. We are all responsible to make the believers. We are all responsible to make disciples. But you know what? I'm going to give you four points to help you. Or three. Three. Number one, get them to church. Why? Because we want your money? No. Heaven forbid, may the Lord rain down His judgment on me and us as a church the moment we start coveting your money more than your eternal destiny. I say that seriously. The moment your money becomes more important than you run, I'll run with you. Get them to church. Why? Because when a baby is born, do we give it five bucks? Come on. Hello? Go waiting, go waiting. <laughs> That's okay. Roll with the punches. When a baby is, thank you, Aaron. When a baby is born, we don't give him the car keys, five bucks, and say, listen, my boy, have a good day. Get on out there and go and earn yourself an income. We don't do that. We have nurses and doctors and midwives that come around that child. 
and they love it, and they check it for any birth defects, they check it for anything that's not right, and they will administer any kind of medication that they need to in that moment to ensure that that child has the best chance of life. Then what do they do? They hand it over to the parents. And as scary and as uncertain as it is for parents, for those of you who've had kids, do you remember your first kid? I was terrified. I remember the first time Chantal went out and left Connor with me. I was traumatized. I threw a tantrum. I wasn't saved. Thank goodness for Jesus. I was traumatized because I didn't know what to do. And sometimes when you, someone you lead to the Lord comes with you to church, you're not going to know what to do. That's okay. Because there's guys that do. But don't just give it to them. Because as a parent, we had to learn how to change nappies. It didn't come naturally. No one had, like, you don't get born with the ability to change it. For some of us, it's incredibly challenging. There's a few things that go on there that hit your senses. It's not always going to be pleasant. It's going to get messy. But that's what we do with babies. We bring them through. We connect them to others that can help us. And we then try and grow that child into the ability to go out and live a life and reproduce after its own kind. So that's why we come to church. Not to grow our numbers. Not to look successful. Not to be the guy that goes to lead others meeting. Hey, bro, do you know we're, like, we're almost 100 people now, right? Come on, man. Really? Oh, heaven help us. Those, like, the phones are ringing to say, you're taking too long, Sean. I'm landing. Landing. <laughs> right. Encourage them to get baptized in accordance with the scriptures. We read it in Mark 16 and uh, Matthew 28. It's really important, eh? It's a command of Jesus to be baptized. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen people who have got baptized who effectively understood the fact that when I do this, actually everything that was in me, all of the world, all of the flesh, all of the sin, the addiction, the, the health issues, I'm actually dying to that. It's as I go into the water and I come out, I come out a new creation and I leave all that. There's an incredible power through that. And we've seen people get delivered of of demonic oppression. We've seen guys that have been delivered of addictions. We've seen people that have just come out and, and are, are totally different people. Is it because there's magic in the water? No. It's because we're doing a spiritual covenant with Jesus and going, I'm committing to put to death those things. It's no longer me. That's not the reality of who I am. So that's why we want them to do it. And can I tell you something? You don't have to wait for the elders to do it. Can I tell you a little story? A little, little short, short story. Do you know that after Dane had all his seizures, just after he had his seizures, my, da my daughter Tatum started to get hit with unbelievable fear and anxiety. She would cry every single night before, before sleep. We were actually at an elders meeting when my mom made to phone me and said, Sean, you need to come home. Your daughter's inconsolable. I got home and said to her, what's going on? And she's like, I'm hearing noises. I've got this fear that something's happening to Dane. I'm, I'm afraid. And we prayed for her and she slept. And the next night it was the same. And we prayed for her and she slept. And the next night it was the same. And then Chantal came to me and said to her, hey man, let's just pray with the kids again. Let's just. And we prayed with them and invited her to recommit her life. And we baptized her in our bath. And she came out of the water and that fear has never come back. I tell you this is fact. It's not something I've heard. It's something I've seen. My own daughter has seen deliverance through it because there was something of dying to the fact that I'm someone who's racked by fear, but I'm alive in Christ. So that's why we want people to get baptized. And then finally, we want to encourage them to get and to read the Bible. Now, I know for some of you, maybe you guys have been like me, Christians, for, for 
10, 20, 30, 50 years. And maybe there is still some parts of the Bible that's very, very difficult to understand and confusing. That's okay. Don't worry that when you give your friend a Bible, they are not going to be able to understand it. You see, we have the Helper. We have the Holy Spirit that is more than able to bring revelation of God's Word into the heart of even those who have never read it before. We don't give people a dead book. We're not handing out the encyclopedia. It's a living Word of God. And, in, in, and um, it's a living Word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And then finally, encourage them to go to the Gospels. If you don't know where to start, go to the Gospels. They're great. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let them read about the life of Jesus. Let them understand that He came and He lived perfect life, died in perfect state, resurrected in a perfect way for you and for me. Let them understand that God is the worker of miracles, who heals the sick, casts out demons, restores the, the oppressed. Get them into the Word. And finally, to love them. Just love them. One of the most powerful testimonies I ever heard was actually someone who had come out of the occult, out of Satanism actually. And what the, the clincher was for that specific lady, the thing that actually broke the yoke, was that she met with a Christian who for the first time didn't judge her because she had black eyes and a nose ring and black lipstick on. And looked at her with love and compassion and said to her, you might not know this, but Jesus loves you and so do I. And in that moment, she got freedom in love because all she'd ever experienced in the occult was abuse and control. But Jesus came and broke through with love. So I want to say to you this as we finish up. Why do I want you to share the gospel? Why does God ask us to share the gospel? Because there is a large portion of Gordon's Bay that is going to hell. It's a literal place. It re there really is a hell. It's not something that's been thought up in the mind of someone. There is a hell and people are going there. And there's a responsibility that God has given to you and to me to try and stop as many as we can. And that's why we're going for That's why Rian preached last week. This is why I'm preaching this week. Because we just believe, as a people, what God is doing within Josh Generation Church globally, but also what He's doing within the church locally, is He's saying, guys, go. Go. So I encourage you to go this morning. So let's pray together as we close. Father, I thank You for every single person in this house, Lord. I thank You for every single visitor, for those that are returning for those who are here for the very first time. I pray, Lord, that you would create in us a heart filled with compassion and, and grace and mercy and kindness and love for the lost. But perhaps this morning there is someone who's come here who's hearing about how we should go and make disciples but is unsure even if they are a disciple themselves. So Holy Spirit, I pray that even now you would just go and just move amongst us. Just move amongst every person here. I thank you, Lord, that what we share is the truth. That Jesus came, he died for our sins so that we could have forgiveness. He was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with all of the scriptures. 
and that it's an historical fact that he appeared to over 500 people. And he did it all for you, that you could be set free from the shame and the sin and the separation eternally from him. And then he says today there is a free gift of salvation. The gift of salvation is here. It's a free gift. You need not earn it. You just need to receive it. And then you just need to put your faith in Jesus. So I do want to ask, if there's anybody here, in fact, let's do this. Let's, pr let's, let's, let's pray this prayer together. Just all of us quickly together. If you don't mind, pray out loud with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your, for your life. Thank you for your death. And thank you for your resurrection. This morning, I place my faith in you for forgiveness of sin and for eternal life. I surrender my life and my ways to you. And I ask you to become Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want to ask you, you know, in the Bible it does say that, the, that Jesus does say that if you confess me before man, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. You see, there's something public about that. Jesus lived publicly, he died publicly, and he was resurrected publicly. Over 500 people saw him. And there's no such thing as a closet Christian. You don't get to take this little light of mine and not let it shine. There is a real thing of, I need to acknowledge before people that I've actually put my faith in Jesus. And he promises then to actually acknowledge us before the Lord. So maybe this morning as we prayed that prayer that we prayed together now, it was the very, very first time that you actually ever prayed that prayer. And if that is you, why don't you just pop your hand up for me, please? There's, no, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. This is actually a, a, an area of celebration. In fact, it says that all of heaven, all of heaven celebrates when one sinner comes to salvation. So is there anyone? Thank you. Thank you. We've got it. Thank you. Is there anybody else? I really do feel like there was one, at least one other person here who this morning... Maybe even it's a recommitment. Maybe you've prayed it before, but this morning there was just a different understanding of it. There was a different weight to how you committed your life to Jesus. It's not about numbers. But I would hate for you to be like one of those numbers that gets to heaven one day and the Lord says, depart from me, I did not know you. You see, we can know Jesus, but the key is, does Jesus know us? We've got another one. Thank you. Thank you. Two people, one commit, recommit, maybe both recommitting their lives to the Lord. It's a miracle. It's the best miracle I've seen in two weeks. That the Lord would move in the heart of a person to actually go, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner and I repent. Praise God. We love you guys. We bless you guys. Thank you, Jesus, for them. So, Father, as we bring this meeting to a close, I pray for these two beautiful souls. But I also pray for everybody else. And if there's anyone here that is sick or has been struggling with their health, actually, you know what? We've just read it. It's just read it, right? These signs will follow those who believe. I believe, do you believe? If you're sick, if you've got any kind of infirmity in your body, 
if you've got disease in your body, I want you right now, why don't you just stand up where you are and just place your hand on whatever area it is that's bothering you. Just like I did with my neck and like I did with my eyesight. This is not weird, it's not magic, there's no power in anything other than the name of Jesus. Respond today, because maybe it's your day. Maybe like me, for 17 years I'd struggled with my neck and God came on that day. Maybe today's that day. So Father, I thank you for these people that have stood. Lord, out of faith and out of obedience and in a response to you, Holy Spirit, and I ask you now, Father, would you touch their body? We take authority over every single body, every single body part, every organ in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. And in this moment, we command power to be released from heaven. We command healing to come into these people in the name and the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, for organs to restart to work, kidneys, livers, spleens, whatever it may be. Father, I thank you that as you've done for my eyesight, for those who've got degenerative eyesight disease, degenerative cataracts, whatever it may be, in the name of Jesus, we say be healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. For those who've had deaf ears, for those who've had um, uh, struggling with hearing, maybe through it's been work-related things over years of working with heavy machinery, in the name of Jesus, I say be healed. I thank you, Lord. I almost see somebody also with a with something to do with their heart. Whether it's, a, it's, it's heart palpitations or, um, I, I don't know, like an irregular heartbeat or something like that. Is there anyone here like that? There we go. We've got one, we've got two, we've got three. Okay, so we've got three people now. So those that are around, just reach your hands up. Just touch those people, please, if you don't mind. Just, just touch them gently on their shoulders. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus that you are restoring their hearts in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that you are repairing any vertebrae, any, any vestibules, any things that are not right. You are repairing those things in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you that irregular heartbeat is being restored back to its in, in, uh, intended value in the name and the power and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come and do it, Lord. I thank you for a physical manifestation in their lives today, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Is there anybody who had pain or, had, or felt like God has done something while we're standing here? I'm not trying to get a response. I'm just interested because it's going to build my faith and everyone else's. Jenny? Kathleen? What are you feeling? Huh? Dizzy. Oh, you were dizzy. And you're feeling better. Awesome. Jenny? She was in pain and she's feeling better. Amen. Yeah, she's been struggling for a while with her health. Jesus still heals, guys. It's as easy as that. It's about asking him and then letting him do the work. Bless you guys. We love you. Go make disciples. Pray for the sick and get them healed in Jesus' name. Love you. Bless you. Thank you for your time. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.